Is there really anything left to report this week now that Taylor Swift has come and gone? I'm so excited. I might faint, honestly. We've dug deep and found 26 minutes worth of non-Taylor coverage. We need to get Frank White out. Anger over property assessments now spills out onto the streets. And didn't see that coming. The streetcar line screeches to a halt. The entire system shut down for three weeks. And it's the week of the big gun summit in Kansas City. Missouri's big city mayor is pushing a new amendment to let cities decide their own gun laws. Plus, should the mayor make more money than the governor of Missouri or Kansas? The big pay raises on the way for Quinton Lucas and the rest of the council. Those stories and the rest of the week's news straight ahead. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, the restaurant at 1900, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. It is good to have you with us again on the program that connects the dots on the week's most impactful, confusing and befuddling local news stories. Tracking the news this week, KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez from our Metro's newest newspaper, Next Page KC, Eric Wesson, Channel 9 political analyst Michael Mahoney and former star reporter Dave Helling. Now, the big question of the week, is there really anything left for us to report now that Taylor Swift has come and gone? Now, to be honest, I have never seen anything quite like it. Can you name another famous personality who's got this much attention for coming to Kansas City? I don't think, Eric, the president, if they were to come here, would get this type of attention. No, I would probably rate this as the number one, even though Beyonce is getting ready to come, and that's going to be pretty wild, too. But I would say right now, Taylor Swift and the Chiefs Parade probably are the top two. Uh, attendance events that we've had here in Kansas City. Have you ever seen anything like that, though, in terms of that news coverage, Michael? No, it was phenomenal, and it, were, and it was wall to wall everywhere in town. And the, the one thing that we were talking about before the broadcast here was the economic impact of this was stunning. It was all it was all over town, not just out at the uh, the sports complex, but these uh, Swifties came into town and they brought their bank book with them. Absolutely, and you know, a number of business owners also, again, not only gushing about the amount of money they made from these Swifties, but they said they spent far more cash in their stores over the two days the singer was in town than when the NFL draft was in town. It was the busiest, most fun, crazy, insane weekend we have ever, ever had in the four years we've been open. It was definitely a little over triple the amount that we normally do. We met people from Norway, Georgia, Los Angeles. We prepared for the Super Bowl parades. We prepared for the draft. This more than doubled our weekend revenue. It, that's a huge, stunning contrast when you were on this program, Lisa, right after the NFL draft, and all of those local business owners saying, never again. They got no business out of it. Right, right. And, and to, to be fair, the NFL draft and the Taylor Swift concert were very different events. The draft, people were contained in a single area with pre-selected vendors. Here, as, as Michael was saying, Taylor Swift fans were everywhere. They were in independence. They were in 
Overland Park driving around. You could see because they were all dressed up and excited where to go and they were enjoying Kansas City's landmarks. And I think part of it is because this is such an experience, because the Eras Tour is such a big deal, people were looking for things to remember this experience by and specifically the place they were in when they saw it. Is there a lesson for Kansas City in this, Dave? After all, you know, it's cost millions for Kansas City to put on the NFL draft. We're going to be looking at $100 million at least in local and state dollars to put on the World Cup. You could just bring in a big singer and you don't have to pay anything. Well, yeah, and let's face it, Taylor Swift was 10 times more entertaining than the NFL draft, okay. which was paint drying on the wall. But, but uh, there is an interesting lesson that I think the Chiefs and maybe the county will be thinking about because one of the discussions uh, now underway, of course, is putting a roof on Arrowhead Stadium, which would presumably make big-time concerts uh, more possible, particularly in September, October, when it tends to get a bit more cool. And the reaction to Taylor Swift, two shows, remember, uh, may convince some local people that turning Arrowhead into a potential venue for concerts is a good idea. In other news, it feels like Groundhog Day in the Kansas City news business right now. We're reliving pretty much the same stories we did last week, the week before, and the week before that. I'm reliving the same day over and over. I get the feeling angrier homeowners now taking into the streets to express their discontent with Jackson County property appraisals. It's getting ugly out there while the county extended its appeal deadline. Some residents threatening to launch a recall campaign to oust County Executive Frank White from office. We need to get Frank White out. White says the county is just following the law. Our upset homeowners directing their anger, Eric, at the wrong person. In a way, there is a couple of things that he might have been able to do differently, but the state law mandates what they do and how they, they do it. I think the uh, extending the appeal time was a plus because people were having problems with that, even though people are still having problems with their appointments of coming down there to get their assessments appealed. But, uh, you know, it's not a really a whole lot he could do about it. I'm interested in the rec recall aspect of this, because we hear that all the time. People get upset with Quinton Lucas. There's been recall efforts of him in the last two years. Eric Bunch, the city councilman, recall efforts against him. They always seem to fizzle out. This is, is this a long shot to expect that people could oust a sitting county executive in Jackson it, it County? Would, uh, it would be difficult. Remember, we just had an election in, in 2022, and uh, Frank White won re relatively comfortably against his opponent so um, recall and plus it's no there's no real indication that if you recalled Frank White that somehow the assessment uh, debacle would would be go away or be solved but it is a political problem to see these uh, homeowners uh, complain and, con uh, and have these concerns about their appraisal uh, 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 for their homes in the process, Nick. And so I think there will be a continuing effort to try and find some path to give some relief. And, and Frank White's certainly been on the offensive. He does a full uh, editorial in the Kansas right. City Star saying right. people are getting this all wrong. There's a lot of misinformation out there. They've now hired a public relations firm to clear up and debunk all of what they say is this misinformation that's being put out there. What's the greatest amount of, what is the biggest misinformation about the appraisal process, Michael? Uh, I think that people think that there's some sort of vehicle that they can uh, th they can launch to uh, 
uh, rectify this and, and get and get their uh, appraisals lowered substantially or capped at 15% or, or, or something like that. And then the, the other thing is, let's say for a moment that there is a successful recall effort, okay, and he is recalled. There's nothing that stops Frank White from being on the ballot once again to stand for re-election after the recall. And based on uh, his re-election effort from just uh, la uh, last year, he would be a pretty formidable opponent again. You know, upset homeowners are coming up with a lot of their own ideas to explain why this is happening, by the way, with these eye-popping assessments. Here's one Waldo homeowner talking to Channel 9 this week. It looks to me like they're screwing with the numbers. I think this is all about generating revenue to build a baseball stadium downtown. Sure, he's not alone in thinking that, though, but is he on target or is he missing on that? That that one missed. This is this the property taxes um, are not directly related to any effort to get a downtown baseball stadium. And in fact, a separate Jackson County tax uh, tax would be would be the funding mechanism for that, which would be a sales tax, which we already pay. Um, so there are a lot of uh, stakeholders that do benefit from the property tax: schools, Kansas City, um, other taxing jurisdictions. But the, to connect the property tax issue at all with the downtown baseball. Stadium, Stadium is wrong. We had two. This was supposed to be the week we we're going to have big fixes to this, including a freeze on the uh, property tax rates for seniors. A second proposal, as was mentioned, about capping the increases to 15% for all Jackson County residents. Yet for all of that, nothing happened. Why? Well, the, the legislature doesn't have the power okay. to cap uh, property taxes at 15%. The assessor has just, uh, said to multiple outlets they have to assess based on property value. One, one thing that could be a long-term fix, and again, it's something the state would have to do and not legislature, is, is maybe extend the timeline. We reassess every two years. Perhaps if we assessed every five years, that would take care of some of these big market fluctuations that cause these big increases. Yeah, uh, Lisa's right that the, the idea that somehow this increase is leading to more money for a ballpark is probably way off the mark, but it points out something important which is that the appraisal process is only part of the equation, Nick. The other part is what taxes are levied by the jurisdictions involved. If your appraisal goes up 20%, but everyone rolls back the levy 20%, the net effect is zero. So taxpayers who are angry about this need to pay attention to what the county does, the city does, and especially the school board in your uh, neighborhood does in terms of levying those taxes to see if you yeah. can reduce what you have Because I saw the 60% right. or more goes to the school district, not to the county And at all. To, uh, just quickly, a couple of years ago when we went through this problem, I wrote a series of editorials calling on the Kansas City School Board to roll back its levy at least partially to not get the windfall and they rejected that completely. If you've got out of town guests visiting this week, don't add riding the streetcar to your fun things to do list. If you missed the news, the entire streetcar line has been shut down and we're told it could be three weeks before service is restored. Apparently, a streetcar driver spotted a section of steel rain popping out of the ground on July the 4th while crossing the I-670 bridge. Now, you might think that would be a quick fix, Michael Mahoney, but three weeks, that could be done in a couple of days, right? It could be done in a couple of days if that's all they were doing. Okay. But instead, uh, they're they're going back and they're looking at all the all the track that is in that specific area, and uh, they they are also looking at a piece of track that was among the first pieces of track that were was uh, that it were laid down when the streetcar uh, was first uh, implemented. And so they they're doing kind of a soup to nuts look 
at, at this line to see what is there, what uh, what other problems they may be looking for, uh, looking for, or having to deal with uh, in the future. But this is uh, this is not something that. Uh, is a, is a good look for Kansas City or the streetcar authority But they right do have now. buses running along the route. They'll still stop. It might not be as seductive for your out-of-town visitors, but they, they'll still pick you up by bus. They, they've, they've, got, they've, they've patchworked, you know, a way to get people from point A to point B. But I think Michael's right. This does raise a lot of questions. The track and the track slabs that were in place in this spot are the same track and slabs that are in place along the entire streetcar route. And, and this is, I'm on my soapbox here, but it really has me thinking, are we building infrastructure? I mean, July 4th was a hot day. It's certainly not going to be our only hot day. And, and the days are getting hotter. Are we building permanent infrastructure that will withstand more extreme heat? And should we be, are we planning for that in these extensions to the street? Well, pile? we are doing that. So is it changing the way? Is it, is it affected, actually, the construction? Has that come to a halt? Uh, um, the... Streetcar Authority's um, executive president, Tom Garand, was on uh, KCUR this week talking about this, and they said they are thinking about this type of stuff. He didn't say exactly how, how this has changed, uh, if anything, ongoing construction, but he said it's on their mind as they, as they build. This. I did see one change has they're now looking to do, and that is to make, uh, when the extended route comes into play in 2025 along Main Street, that it would be a strictly uh, streetcar-designated lanes. People think that, that, oh, we'll just snap our fingers and close Maine, uh, public works in Kansas City has bitterly resisted closing streets before. They just don't like the idea of not letting cars in some places. And the business owners along Maine, and that's a huge stretch of Maine, are going to say, now, wait a minute, I, the streetcar is fine, but uh, prohibiting cars is going. So that's going to be a battle. Uh, the other thing is this incident kind of reinforces the idea that the streetcar is great but not essential because they've closed the entire system for three weeks. It hasn't locked up. You can imagine closing the subway in New York for three weeks or closing uh, public transit in Chicago or other big cities. So it does suggest, again, that the streetcar is an efficient people mover and fun, but not essential to mass transit in Kansas City. The mayors of Missouri's biggest cities gather in Kansas City this week for a major summit meeting on gun violence. Mayor Quinton Lucas called the group together as he faces growing pressure to address a rising tide of killings. The city marked its 100th homicide last week, putting it on track to record its deadliest year in history. Thursday's meeting, which included the mayor of St. Louis, focused on a proposal ballot measure that would ask voters to amend the Missouri Constitution to allow cities and counties to set their own gun laws. State law currently prohibits cities from taking any action to regulate firearms. Uh, it's interesting on this. Is this for November's ballot or next year's ballot? I think I think it's for November 2024, and and it's an interesting uh, proposal because so far we've seen for years the trend in the Missouri legislature would be you know to r remove gun restrictions, and really the only real threat to that power would be through a ballot initiative. Can it get the support it needs across the state? That's a question that we'll see playing out. But it's it's yeah. an interesting challenge. So it's not going to be just Kansas City and St. Louis voters, for instance, uh, voting on this. This would be the entire state, and so outside of the those two cities, why would people want to uh, do anything to restrict their Second Amendment rights, which people seem to hold so much dear in Missouri? Uh, I think it will be problematic for this to get on the ballot, even to get okay. enough signatures uh, to do so for the very reason that you, you just mentioned. And then the other thing, buried in a set of texts that came out from the mayor of St. Louis uh, in the last few days, uh, Tashara Jones, uh, she remarked to, to one of her aides, she didn't think that the gun control measures at the local level may actually be working, and she cited 
cited uh, the efforts in Chicago where uh, it hasn't uh, it hasn't worked there, and they've got a, a violent crime problem as well. Is this a political deflection by Quentin Lucas, uh, Eric, that he can say, "Look, uh, I tried to do something, but look, voters said no. I tried. It's their fault." Yeah. It, you could look at it because a measure like that, even if they got the signatures and got it on the ballot, it'd be de dead on arrival, uh, pun, no pun intended. But it would, you know, you got rural Missouri, they don't have the gun problems. You got uh, cities that don't really have the problems that Kansas City and St. Louis had. So what's the point in doing it when you know you're going to be defeated? There are things that they can do locally for gun control that they might be able to, to work better It's right that. that it would be doomed, except that it's in November of 2024. That's yep. a presidential election year. You've got a, you've got a governor's race in Missouri, you'll have a Senate race, and abortion could be on the ballot in Missouri in November of 2024. That could uh, alter the turnout in ways that could have some impact on uh, uh, some gun legislation or constitutional amendment if it gets on the ballot, which Mike rightly points out is going to be a bit problematic. But don't count it out if you had it in November of 2020. I have to say this. One story surfaced last week that uh, Mayor Lucas is now weighing a United States Senate run against Josh Hawley. Is that just idle gossip or are there genuine efforts uh, to get him into that race? Well, there's always chatter about the mayor running for, uh, Kansas City's mayor running for something else. Uh, okay. Uh, but, but just, Quickly, uh, you know, he if he ran and lost, he could still be mayor, but there okay. are lots of Democrats in that race. Now, one reason why Quinton Lucas may not want to run is that he now has a new baby to take care of. But in addition, he's about to make a whole lot more money. The council set this week to give the mayor a $20,000 raise. That's a 15% bump in pay. City council members would also see a more than $10,000 pay boost. That would mean the mayor would make more than the governor of Missouri and the governor of Kansas. Does Quinton Lucas have a more stressful and difficult job than Mike Parson and Laura Kelly, Eric? With these homicides, he probably does. But what I found interesting about it was they were just having a meeting last week about not having enough money to pay 911 operators. You have all of these lawsuits that the city has to settle, which are, is quite a considerable amount of money, and now they're giving themselves raises. Really? I did think it was interesting in the report on this out. that uh, when the committee started hearing that earlier in the week, it said no one from the public commented on the pro pro proposal. Does that mean they don't care or they didn't even know it was happening? I, I think probably the latter. I think the, the it wasn't really out there for people to know. It went through the, the special committee for legal review, which is not even kind of one of the big marquee uh, committees there, although they do pass a lot of important legislation. So I think it's probably lack of awareness, but I think it's, it's, uh, it's worth taxpayers knowing that that this is how much their elected officials are being made it is their money that's paying them uh, but this is also something that the council does periodically every four years it's not surprising that this would be introduced now as a new council is set to be seated well yeah uh, just that point this is going to be one of the last actions of this city current city council that in effect ended their term uh, on on thursday with their, with their final meeting so uh, it was one more out the door Quick perspective, 15% sounds like a lot, but over four years, that's about a little less than 4% a year. That doesn't seem exorbitant for these positions. The mayor would make more than the governor, but I think less than the school superintendent in the Kansas City Public Schools, and still less than the police chief. So there's always a perspective involved here. They do it every four years. 
uh, it, it's likely to pass. And as of now, he will make less than Patrick Mahomes. Now, speaking of money, it he had seems... a worse year than Patrick Mahomes. All right, okay. <laughs> it's, it does seem there's a lot of cash to be made in green energy. Remember that $4 billion Panasonic electric vehicle battery plant now being built in Johnson County, according to the Star? It's now in line to gain $8 billion in taxpayer incentives when you add in all the local, state, and mostly federal subsidies now available. And remember the 4,000 good-paying jobs promise? The report claims the state's agreement with the company includes no commitments on hiring numbers or on minimum wage or salary ranges. While it may be raising eyebrows, the plant is now well on the way to being built. Other than to make people upset, is sharing these details now a case of too little too late, Lisa? Uh, likely, but I, I do think it is it is a lesson going back. The the fact that all of these negotiations happened in secret, that we that 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 nor the media nor the public were were really in on these negotiations to know that there was any sort of guarantee of jobs. I think there was an assumption if this if all these jobs are coming and they're going to pay a certain rate. That must be in. That must be codified somewhere, and it's not. And I think it's a real lesson in how you serve the public and how you and how you leverage their money. And I should point out the the state incentives, about 800 million, did go through a Republican House right. in Kansas and a, uh, a Republican Senate in Kansas. And these federal credits are spread out over the entire country, so the impact on an individual Kansas taxpayer is. Uh, is uh, relatively low. Having said that, I think the scrutiny that uh, this plant was given before all of this was approved was pretty quick. I mean, they rammed it through in a big hurry. These stories will come out again and again. By the way, there was never, uh, you remember when we did the airport, there was an, all the discussion about community benefits and set-asides and minority hiring. None of that on this plant, none of it. Uh, for for not uh, for construction jobs and for permanent jobs at the plant. Again, I think they pushed it through pretty quickly. But there's nothing going to stop the plant being built. No, I don't think there's anything going to uh, going to stop it. Nor do I think there's any attempt to take back or claw back any of the incentives awarded by the legislature. Now, Jackson County lawmakers may not be able to solve the property assessment issue, but they did find agreement this week on what to do with those Andrew Jackson statues that some view as racially divisive. By a vote of seven to one, county lawmakers voted to approve. A resolution putting the issue on the November 2024 ballot. Remember, that's when we'll be voting for president, when a lot of people will go to the polls. So could the outcome of the statue issue be different than in 2019 when Jackson County voters rejected their removal, Eric? It depends on what uh, Jackson County legislator you talk to. I talked to Manny uh, earlier this week. He was the one who proposed it. He, he was, was on the, the show last week, Manny Abarca. Yes. Abarca. And he uh, seems to think that in this time frame, they would be able to convince voters what a bad image that that is, because not only did he own slaves, but what was done to Native Americans as well. I thought there was an interesting twist to this this week, too, that they wanted to add language to say you're not just removing the statues, but in its place you would put a statue of Harry Truman. So in a sense, when you're voting, you're saying, God, you're dissing Harry Truman, our <laughs> former president from our area? No, I, th I think having an alternative, you know, taking down the statues is one thing, but saying taking down the statues yeah. and replacing them with, you know, with Harry Truman, who is very much still the pride of independence and the pride of Missouri, does offer an alternative that perhaps voters would be more inclined to vote on something that has, a, you know, a next step attached. The idea of having a Truman statue uh, has a replacement, I think, has some appeal, but they already have a Truman statue at the Jackson County Courthouse in, in, in Independence. I think it's going to be... Uh, you know, it might happen, but 
not going to be easy. Just quickly, the other thing that would be uh, uh, a problem is the idea that we're voting on this again. I mean, I think voters are going to say, wait a minute, we just told you what we want to do, and now here you are presenting it again. That that will anger a lot of people, and it's a bit of a slippery slope. I mean, the, the Republicans in Jeff City want to redo the Medicaid uh, expansion vote. I mean, once you start saying, well, voters spoke, but we really don't like what they said, let's try it again, that, that can be problematic going forward. When you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? A judge sides with Chris Kobach and demands that Kansas suspend its policy of allowing gender changes to driver's licenses. A week after the Supreme Court outlaws affirmative action on college campuses, the Missouri Attorney General ordering universities in the state to immediately drop minority scholarships. It's putting the University of Missouri in a bind. Last year, MU and UMKC spent millions on scholarships to boost African-American and Hispanic students. Should Sharice Davids be worried? The GOP leaning on diversity to win back the Kansas congressional seat as an Indian-born oncologist and LabCorp exec launches a campaign to unseat her. Was it the most watched show on Netflix this week? The new Mahomes series debuts and the Royals may be having an excruciating season, but Salvador Perez makes it to the All-Star game in Seattle. He even scores a run. Taylor Swift wasn't the only big celeb in town this week. Music legend Dionne Warwick at 18th and Vine. She's just been inducted into the American Jazz Walk of Fame. Burt Bacharach also being honored by the Jazz Museum. The Kansas City-born composer and songwriter died earlier this year. Or was the biggest story of the week seeing Eric Wesson's face on the front page of the Kansas City Star under the title Newspaper War? They've now got wind that Eric has left the call and formed his own rival paper, Next Page KC. Hey, what was the reaction to that, Eric? I know that was your big story we missed. <laughs> that was my big story. Did you get a lot of calls about I it? I got a lot of calls. We got a lot of subscriptions, people getting subscriptions, a lot of positive feedback. But one thing that I do want to say is I'm not at war with anybody, and I hope nobody's at war with me. And it's kind of disturbing that we go to that level. We have three Hispanic newspapers. Why can't it just be competition? Why does it have to be the term war? Thank you. Lisa, the big story missed for you was blank. I, I think I think we're still just in the beginning of this fight over gender markers on, on state IDs in Kansas. And we saw back and forth this week, but I think as, as more of these laws take effect, we've seen in different states legal battles over gender-affirming care and these IDs, and I think that this will be a continuing developing story for the foreseeable Dave. future. Crystal Quaid, who is a representative from Springfield, has announced mm -hmm. a campaign for governor as a Democrat. It's a very long shot in Missouri, which is a very red state. but. She is a very good candidate. She's well-spoken, knows the issues well, and the Republicans who are now getting a bit of a crowded field in the governor's race uh, should not discount her ability going forward next year. And Michael Mahoney. Sort of related to that, the Sharice Davids now has three uh, Republican opponents. They're going to have a contested primary again over in the uh, third district in, in Kansas. Should she be worried? Huh? Well, uh, yeah, she, she, ought, she ought to be worried because it is Kansas, and uh, whether or not that district is as blue or purple as uh, as Democrats believe, let's see how um, how these folks do, uh, do. All three of them are making their first run for, um, for public office. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed, courtesy of KCUR's Lisa Rodriguez and Channel 9's Michael Mahoney, Eric Wesson from Next Page KC, and former star reporter Dave Helling, and I'm Nick Haynes from all of us here at Kansas City PBS. Be well, keep calm, and carry on.